Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we are very excited to have our colleague in studio with us, Aaron Streeter. Hi, Aaron. Hello. Aaron is the VP of Training and Certification Programs here at Forrester. And uh, that's a new position, at least as far as I understand it, created for Erin and by Erin because uh, of something we're going to talk to her about today. We created a customer experience certification offering. And so, Erin, I think the the question we want to answer for our listeners in our conversation with you is, why did we create this? What was the need we saw? And also, how? How, the, The process of how we created this, I think, is interesting and instructive for our listeners. So, listeners, promise from us to you, this won't be 15 minutes marketing push about our new certification product, although it exists. Rather, it's the background on the opportunity here and the process of developing it. So let's start there at the top, perhaps. It, you know, What was the, the customer problem we identified, or how did we go about identifying the customer problem that this sort of solves? The customer problem in this case came to us, which is kind of a luxury um, when you think about the way <laughs> right. that most organizations approach innovation, or you, know, you, you kind of go looking for that discovery of, of a real customer problem. And in this case, um, you know, I think it's not an exaggeration to say that people were sort of shouting it from the rooftops to right. say, mm-hmm. look, I'm I'm out there trying to train and educate a team of people who have customer experience roles, have an important job to do, and did not come to me with a customer experience background. Um, and I'm out there trying to put together a way to, to get everybody kind of on the same skill level. And they're having to work with a lot of different niche vendors, people that, you know, they may not have heard from or don't know what their reputability is. And, um, in some cases, actually expressing some frustration with, with Forrester, given that yeah. you know, we have such a long heritage in the thought leadership space for CX that, that we weren't offering this kind of thing that they so clearly needed. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, harder to have better motivation than that than we really need this. Yeah. You've essentially in your research told us we need this and you won't even give it to us. Where are you on this, right? Right. Yeah. So there are some certificates out there that we come across. For example, there are some UX certificates, design thinking certificates. So what exactly is the scope of the CX certificate? Yeah, so we're building a professional certification in in three parts. So Right now, we're offering our CX Pro certification, which is a level one for completing mm-hmm. our CX Foundations course. And that course is comprised of you know, what we consider to be foundational CX skills um, around things like um, understanding how to create a CX vision and the linkage that it needs to have to your brand around you know, the basics of, of the process you need to go through, the long-term process of building a customer-centric culture. Um, understanding kind of the the fundamentals of conducting customer research and how you apply different methods to different types of problems you're trying to solve. Um, Journey mapping, of course, (laughs) Mm -hmm. have to have journey mapping. Um, And then measuring CX. So, you know, not just being able to use some of these different tools and strategies, but actually making it a systemic part of your operations. And then finally, kind of the icing we put on the cake um, because, you know, people in a CX role are doing this so often, just having to prove the case or make the business case for CX improvements. Um, We introduced our ROI modeling tool, but kind of wrap that in um, the storytelling training that we offer to our own analysts so that it's kind of like you get the qualitative um, understanding how to create a quantitative business case and then how to use qualitative appeal to, you know, get it into people's heads and actually inspire action. Um, okay. No, that, that makes sense. And I actually, you know, four or five years ago, wrote a report about certifications that were out there and made a prediction that 
was proven incredibly wrong eventually, <laughs> which was, you know, in the next few years, we, we expect to see lots of universities create degree and certificate pro- programs mm-hmm. around customer experience. We, we think the demand, as you just described it, right, with our clients telling us, the demand will dictate that programs will spring up to fulfill that demand, that this is a growing, maturing discipline within organizations, and we need people who are trained to do it as full-time practitioners, like you get training in other business disciplines. Um, and that's what I predicted, and it didn't happen. Uh, and so that so was you a, told Forrester, yeah. we have to launch this so that my prediction can be right. That's right. Is that, yeah. is that how this No, happens? right, exactly. It's like, I'm never wrong. Please yeah. launch the certification <laughs> program so I can be proven. No, it was, it was more like, yes, you're hearing this from clients, and yeah. I really thought we would have seen this demand be you know, met by somebody and it mm-hmm. hasn't been. So gosh, we, maybe we should do it, right? So I, I think that brings us to the second part. Okay, the, the problem fell in our laps. The problem was sort of out there for a little while too, I think, that it wasn't being addressed. Right. What did we do about that? What did you lead a team of people to do about that? Yeah, well, I, I think in a lot of ways, because the problem came to us, we got to kind of jump into the fun part, which is let's start trying on different solutions and let's, you know, let's Mm -hmm. interview people not to validate the existence of the problem, but to really understand the subtleties of it and use that to shape the different, different solutions that we were going to put together. Um, So, you know, we we kind of started out with a phased approach, working up to a milestone where we wanted to, to actually have, you know, a fairly large scale beta test with a, with a working prototype. You know, the challenge of course is do that on a shoestring, you know, so, so we had to get pretty creative in the way that we put that together. But, you know, that, that was kind of where we started out was, you know, let's put together our, you know, our basic interview guide. Let's go out and make sure that we are understanding some of the major questions that we needed to resolve around, you know, what should the content be? You know, what, what are the skills that people actually need? What mode of delivery is is going to be most effective and yeah. realistic for people? Um, and then how can we build on the the Henry Ford? You know, if you ask people what they want, they yes. say a faster horse, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't want to take dictation. We wanted to also bear some responsibility for being creative right. and and actually trying to create a differentiated experience that would surprise and delight even the people who participated with us in helping to develop it. I really like how you put that because they're saying it's not here's exactly what you told us you wanted. It's here's something inspired by what you told us you wanted, but that maybe gives you something you weren't expecting. That's That's really interesting. That's the hope. Yeah. Design process. Yeah. No, and and you're really describing it. So, so Aaron, you, you clearly are someone who was, um, went to school for design and was trained in this, uh, has a deep background in this. And I'm sort of kidding here. I think (laughs) listeners, you know, tell us about your evolution in, in being someone who could lead a group of people through this design process. I think a lot of our clients find themselves in those same shoes where, gosh, it would be nice if someone would take the reins here and guide us through the design process, but I don't have that background. And you, definitely did that here. Well, right. And I think what what I've learned is that, you know, people who majored in political science are just a really untapped <laughs> source yeah. of design insight. A new degree um, to go after. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it, it was a really interesting um, professional development opportunity for me, too, where I think, you know, Forrester, we've been pretty transparent about this with our client base to say we, we're kind of undergoing a new awakening around design thinking as yeah. much as we mm-hmm. already advise our clients and, and work with our clients on design challenges. Um, but I, I really took that to heart and wanted to approach this project with 
a totally different framework in mind. You know, I know there's kind of a mantra out there, like design thinking is not a, it's not a rote process, right? It's not a linear thing. It's supposed to be this, this iterative, you know, cyclical, mm-hmm. you, you can go back at any point, but I wanted to kind of be a purist about it just to see what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, it turned out that I was really happy with, with the results. And there were times where, you know, I, I think like with anything, um, you kind of learn that, okay, we don't need to have five iterations. Like we can have two and that's okay to get in the marketplace or, or, you know, we didn't test this specific feature, but we're confident enough that we're going to add it in and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was, um, for me, some of that kind of letting go of what, you know, not necessarily would be a, a waterfall approach, but just that idea of having to have, um, absolute certitude and broad consensus before moving forward. Um, so in a lot of ways, um, that kind of freed us up to move faster. And, you know, I know that this is, um, you know, really common realization for people who go through this process for the first time. But for me, especially, you know, as much time as we spent behind closed doors in a conference room, kind of debating what the right uh, feature (laughs) was, or, you know, no, it should have this topic. No, it should have that. Um, You get answers to those questions so much more quickly, (laughs) so much more easily if you just ask customers, because then you get back in the room and you say, well, you know, I don't care that that's your opinion. This is what our end users actually have to say. And that trumps everything. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate tiebreaker. Exactly. (laughs) to own employees what they think is going to be best. Always ask the customer and then you find out. So when you talk to customers, I'm curious as to what you uncovered that was maybe new or surprising because, of course, the idea came from already hearing some feedback and some ideas that there's probably a hypothesis in place. But then when you actually go out and gather information, uncover new needs, maybe have some surprise moments, what were some of those that you found along the way? Yeah, we had a couple along the way. and I would, you know, now that we have the product in the marketplace and we, we talk a lot about micro learning and this concept of having these like mm-hmm. short lessons, right? We learned a lot of these micro lessons along the way, <laughs> um, which I think, you know, really gave shape to the, the final product. One of them was kind of learning about our position in the marketplace and, and kind of seeing ourselves through our customers' eyes because one of the first exercises we did was to ask a group of customers to basically take a take a, a word bank of possible CX topics, right, that mm-hmm. they might want to get smart on as part of a training program and use those as, as pieces to assemble their ideal program. And, you know, people obliged us and, and kind of went through the exercise. And, and ultimately, when we asked them to describe their work, they were like, well, I don't know, I moved some pieces around, but aren't you going to tell me <laughs> what yeah. this program should actually contain? <laughs> so um, luckily, we weren't too far off base, but that kind of gave us, you know, a fresh sense of confidence to say, okay, you know, we can we can be um, the determining factor in this case as far as what the initial curriculum should be. And of course, we'll fine tune that with input over time. But um, that was one example of something that we, yeah. you know, we expected that this was going to be something that was told to us. And actually what yeah. they said was like, here you they go. Want that foundational <laughs> level right. advisory yeah. right. and advice from us. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So then coming from that sort of word cloud or word organization that they did and seeing that they wanted some guidance on what the modules should be and the topics for advice on, um, what did what did they end up being or what did you first start sort of testing with them? Yeah, there were some things that we knew that, that were kind of on the given list, I think, from the beginning for topics, things like 
journey mapping. I was going to say journey mapping. <laughs> of course, we have to have journey mapping. Wait, should we, leave, should we yeah. leave a pause here for our, our listeners to get back into their chairs because right. they fell out of their chairs, <laughs> yeah, right? It's shocking. Journey that mapping. Was the aha oh my moment. God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whole thing. Yes, we have to have journey mapping. But but even that in itself is, is you know, um, I mean, people do, who do curriculum design for, for a living um, know this well, but, you know, there's so many different outcomes or learning objectives that mm. you could strive for with a topic right. like journey mapping, um, which is so broad and, and has so many different angles to explore. So in that case, you know, thinking about who our, our end users were and, and the fact that most likely they would be coming to this with some advanced knowledge of, of journey mapping and advanced, I mean, like pre-existing, <laughs> not right. advanced right. necessarily. Right. But we wanted to focus on not the the mechanics of journey mapping, like here's where you put the sticky note, um, but more so on how do you get the most value out of the journey mapping effort. So what are the steps that you can reliably follow and a process you can adopt and tools that you can use to do this well every time? That's an example of, of kind of the angle that we took there. Um, but we tested this too. We, we did a beta test, as I mentioned um, where we actually put together a sample lesson that focused on your content, Sam. So you are a, a co-conspirator here. And um, we built a lesson around um, customer-centric cultures. And that was a great testing ground or, or learning opportunity as far as, like, how do we take our research and adapt it to learning objectives, mm -hmm. right? Which is different mm. than writing yeah. it for, for consumption. And how much can we conceivably cram into, you know, an <laughs> online learning experience? Yeah. Um, you know, skipping ahead, we, we had already determined that virtual was going to be the most practical for, for everybody that we were talking to. Um, but then, you know, how to make a topic as huge as culture change, something that is tangible and worthwhile in a pretty compact online experience. Um, and that's what that that beta test gave us the opportunity to do. Yeah, and and sort of looking at what is a reasonable exercise for them to complete that is helpful to them. Actually, I mean, there's the, it gives them some good thinking around their changing their culture, but is is something that it tests whether they understand the dynamics of how to change a culture and what goes into a customer centric culture. It had to sort of do both, right? So they feel like they're it was time well spent, and they learned something, and and they demonstrated mm -hmm. to us that they learned it and applied it. Oh, interesting. So the beta test included content, virtual yep. consumption, some type of exercise to see if, I guess, if the takeaways were clear and if they were actually learning and could enact change from it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd imagine you also tested the mode through which they were consuming this content. So how should the exercise be given to them or... You're right, and I didn't, I didn't realize how many hypotheses we were testing there. <laughs> I was like, so, I just, yeah, I'm starting to rattle out. them off. I could do some more, too. Yeah. Designers are probably like yeah. just cringing yeah, listening to right. this. Like, you have to have because one outcome. That there, was, there was definitely an assumption that it needed to have an a exercise that would force the learner to demonstrate that they could apply the knowledge. Mm -hmm. That was where we saw there was a gap that the tests either, the, the existing certifications either gave you all the answers, and so it was unclear if you right. knew them. Just hope that mm -hmm. you yeah. really... Or they waited for you to take the test until years had passed and you could obviously, you obviously had the knowledge, but you'd gotten it on the job. Mm -hmm. This was to say, we want to get you the knowledge faster, but then have some rigor in proving that you know how to apply the knowledge. And that, that was what, that was to me where the gap existed in the marketplace. It was just, mm -hmm. it was either easy or it was wait until you're a seasoned veteran. It's like, well, thanks. That doesn't right. help me it's like at all. Then you're just proving that you already know it you instead know of it. also learning. So this it. is learn yeah, it and the then prove that you know it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In, in a combined thing. And so we were testing that. Did, did the exercise work to show that they, as a demonstration of knowledge? Um, 
did was there enough? And I think you're you're highlighting it very well, Aaron. There's this tension between enough content that you can get you understand the topic and how to apply it, but not so much that suddenly it's turning into like your full time job for six yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. So one thing that you've talked about is the goal and the objective, which I think is really interesting because, of course, that changes the angle of the content and what you give with them and what exercises they do. Um, but so I'm curious as to what the objective is. Of course, there are many people who make up these teams <laughs> who have just sort of fallen into the role. So they, they have great skills and they know what they're doing, but maybe they lack a little rigor around the process or people have come from other organizations. So they're journey mapping in different ways. Was the objective to I guess, learn the foundational skills? Was it to help level set across multiple people in the team, in the organization? Or what was it? I guess what yeah. level is this? Well, mm-hmm. I think, yes, it is the answer to that. It's, it's both of those oh. things. Mm-hmm. Um, at face value, the most obvious component of, of the value proposition that we have in mind is to actually build your skills so that you mm-hmm. can do this job better. Our initial course, CX Foundations, actually is open to people who are not full-time CX practitioners. So we offer a CX champ certification Mm -hmm. without the requirement to do all of our our project work and all of that, but so that those people can be more effective and higher impact contributors to Mm -hmm. CX improvement initiatives. So that's what we penciled in, you know, in in our go-to-market strategy. And it's been interesting because as I talk to more and more customers about this, they have pointed us to that second value proposition that you brought up, which is this is going to help me align mm-hmm. my CX efforts mm-hmm. across different lines of business, across, you know, even within, you know, my team, or I think we hear people saying, you know, where customer experience is is taking hold in different parts of the organization, and that's great. You know, we want to foster that, but customer obsession means one thing over here and customer-centric means something over here. Right. And people are st- starting to adopt the language, but they're using it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think for someone whose remit is to kind of control, it, for lack of a better word, the the proliferation of yeah. customer experience. Allow it to throughout. scale. Yes, yes. <laughs> to scale um, in an organized fashion. There's a real appeal in like, let's get all the people who are, whether, you know, full-time practitioners because they're on my team or you know, they're leading CX improvement initiatives in their own line of business, or they're part of our formal ambassadors program. Let's get them through this unified experience so that we're all speaking the same language. We're mm-hmm. all kind of having a fresh start with how we want to move forward and, and scale this. Yeah. It's a huge need. Yes. <laughs> huge need. Something we hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. It, that's interesting to hear that you're getting that feedback from clients now, because I, in the development phase, I didn't feel like we were hearing that necessarily about the alignment piece. And mm-hmm. so it's fascinating now to know that that's, a, that's emerging as another sort of value yeah. proposition that they care about. And to your point, Jenny, I think it really makes sense as one. It's just, I don't know, we didn't we were focused maybe on the individual learner a lot yeah. in the yeah. in the development, um, which was probably appropriate, but it, it but then it's hard to abstract out to. And me and another learner, now we lear- have learned the same things and speak the same language. And that's really right. valuable and important too. Especially um, as this is still emerging and the foundations are still emerging. Yeah. And I know once I worked um, with a team of seven people, this was UX, so slightly different than mm-hmm. CX. Um, but at the end of the day, they're like, oh, uh, I thought a persona was something totally different than you were, yeah. like on the same small team. Yeah. So it's really yeah. helpful to create alignment and give some materials for everyone to see and start to speak the same language. That's a great example, too, because everybody knows what personas are. It just turns out they know different, and everybody knows journey mapping, but 
there's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah, different methodology, different output, absolutely. Yeah, great. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming in to chat with us about the uh, development of the new CX certification offering. I think it's a it's an interesting backstory and uh, and it's a great great example of following the design process and and getting to a good outcome. So uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, a lot of fun. And for anyone who's listening who was part of that process, um, I definitely would like to issue a thank you because um, you've helped us helped us move much faster and hopefully with a solution that is uh, fitting your needs. Yes, clients, our clients played along very well yes. in the design process, <laughs> right? Giving us feedback throughout. All right. Well, listeners, that's all for now. We'll talk to you next week on CXCast. Bye. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.